This is Day Beautiful, a podcast that helps readers discover debut authors through in-depth conversations about books, culture, and life. To discover more debut authors, please visit daybeautiful.net and follow Day Beautiful on all social medias at Day Beautiful. Before we jump into introducing today's podcast guest, I just want to say there were some audio recording issues on my end, so it's going to sound distant and kind of out there, but uh, thank you for being patient and sitting through this podcast because today's guest is an absolute delight. Today's guest is a trained art historian and has explored queer identity and gender anxiety in his master's thesis. He's also an avid home chef and an amateur historian of queer film. His debut novel is These Violent Delights. His name is Micah Nemerever, and I'm so pleased to welcome him to the podcast today. Hey, Micah, how are you doing today? Uh, it's going pretty well. It's been an exciting month, month and a half. <laughs> yeah, and you're so I'm talking to you about, uh, yeah, like you said, a month, month and a half after your book came out. Um, usually I record with writers right before their book comes out. So I'm, I'm getting a different perspective. How, how are you doing physically, mentally? How are things with the book out in the world? Oh, it's still so surreal. Like it's, it's, um, I obsessed over it in isolation for the better part of a decade. And it's so strange that it's finding its readers now. Um, and it's, it's just, it's really wonderful and humbling to hear from people um, who it, the book did resonate with them. And, and um, they are like reaching out to me to, to, to tell me, and it's, it's just, it's wonderful and also very strange. Um, so that's, that's been really nice. And um, yeah, it's just, a very surreal process, especially right now when I can't um, do anything in person, really. Uh, so it it sort of um, it sort of feels like being being locked in the bathroom at my own birthday party. But yeah, it's it's interesting. I yeah. No, I can imagine, um, especially throughout this. This is such a weird year um, to yeah. release a book. I, I just couldn't. I couldn't imagine it. And that's kind of what like the podcast really ramped up to talk to as many you know writers as possible because you aren't doing in-person events. You aren't going from, you know, Tulsa to Lincoln, Nebraska to Denver, Colorado mm-hmm. to get all these like re- readers who maybe you wouldn't be able to reach in a normal, a normal way. Um, but your book did come out. I mean, these violent delights, it um, it's out in the yeah. world. It, 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 we have succeeded that far. Um, what what is the what are, what is the book about? Tell us in your own words. Um, it's about uh, adolescent adolescent uh, love that gets wrapped up in uh, the character's sense of identity. It's sort of obsession and this uh, the way um, first love can sort of overtake your sense of self. And so it's about these these two characters. Uh, the point of view character is Paul. Um, he's sort of a depressed, lonely, insecure teenager, and he 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 falls in love with with Julian, who's this very like extroverted, charming, um, 
easily articulate person and he's he's very much everything Paul isn't and and it it starts out with this this dynamic of of Paul being sort of um sort of desperate for approval um but it the power dynamic between them gets more complicated over time and um it's that this this obsession that they have for each other sort of spirals into into um mutual delusions and it just it it ends badly um, yeah, so. <laughs> and and it is it is such like a gripping book. I I believe like you just said in when you were just talking about how like you're excited to have the book out. It was ten years in the making. Is that what I heard? Um, I I came up with the characters in 2011 and started really writing the book in 2013. So it has been the better part of a decade, and it's it's just it's so strange all of it. And I'm curious, yeah, like, I mean, I'm curious about that, how that fit into your life, because I know you studied, like, art history in college. Yeah. And, and so tell me about that, and, and, or, and then you wrote a master's thesis on, like, queer identity and gender anxiety. Um, I just, I want to go back to that time, that time in your life when you were like, I'm going to study art history, and then I'm going to work on, or write a thesis on queer identity. Because was, yeah. was that going on at the beginning of this book? Like, was that all like in the same timeline? It it, it basically was. I when I was first outlining um, the, the skeletal versions of the characters who would become Paul and Juliet, I I was also applying for grad schools in art history. Um, I had majored in art history um, because I was raised by visual artists and I was really exposed to visual art a lot as a kid. Um, and I, I've always been a writer, but I understand the creative impulse. Um, and visual art is just foreign enough to my skill set that it, it was really interesting to kind of immerse myself in it as, as an outsider, I guess, um, but who had a lot of inside knowledge. And so it, um, so that was sort of the nexus of my interest in it. And um, I was applying for grad school. It was, it was 2011. It was extremely the recession. And so I was like, might as well go to grad school, um, which was an interesting decision. But it, um, yeah, I, I went into grad school thinking, you know, that academic and creative writing are just very different things and that uh, I, I should just follow the muses for my creative writing. What I learned is that that um, my weaknesses as a creative writer and an academic writer were basically the same. So writing this, this thesis um, was sort of how I learned to pace and structure any kind of long-form writing. And it was, um, it was sort of my unconventional MFA. I, I did that instead of an MFA. Just, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, that makes sense. I feel like the difference between academic and creative writing could be vast, but your the skills that the skills and weaknesses that you have in one can be translated to the other. Like you said, um, it is Absolutely. interesting because I feel like I taught high school English very briefly for two years after college, mm-hmm. and um, my students would always say, "Like, well, when am I going to need to know how to do this?" I was like, "Listen, you're probably not, but you're going to need to know how to write just to be a successful human somehow." You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and. But so it's always interesting trying to get like young people to write, um, write in general if they're not interested in it. Um, but you said you were yeah. always a writer, like you always were creative. It. Like, were you writing stories as a young child? 
I was, I was, I was, uh, I, I wrote my first quote unquote book when I was four. Um, you know, it's just basically, basically illustrated scribbles. It was very data, but it did, it was, you know, it was a few pages of, of um, four year old whimsy. And so it's like, I've, I've been interested in storytelling my whole life. I was, I was, yeah, I was that kid. Um, <laughs> who would, yeah. Um, and, and, you mentioned you you grew up with visual artists. Were your parents really like fostering and nurturing with all your creativity, or were you able to yeah. share that with them? Yeah, yeah. My my mother always really encouraged me to uh, follow my follow my dreams, as the cliche goes. Uh, she she I I did a fair bit of drawing when I was a kid too, um, but but writing was always my thing. And my my mother always encouraged me to pursue these things and just like follow the path in life that lets you keep doing this um, because it makes you happy. And so it, it was really nice to, um, to, to kind of grow up around somebody who has her own creative practice and was, um, and I don't know, I still have this, this nostalgic fondness for the smell of turpentine because she was oil painting for a lot of my childhood. It's, it's like, it's not good to, to just be walking down the street and catch a whiff of turpentine and pause to enjoy it. But, you know, it's, it's, it's my childhood. <laughs> no, that's really funny. I, uh, my mom was a smoker, is still a smoker. And, like, I hate the smell of cigarettes. But, like, when I'm around her, I'm like, okay, I could, I could handle this, I suppose. Because, you know, it's like mom and... Um, <laughs> But like that smell of smoke, like just being around her so much, it turned me off of like I never smoked a cigarette because I couldn't stand it as a kid. It's so funny how like those oh, yeah. sensory um, smells and touches and and sights stay with you forever. They do. And 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 so this this book, it is very like gripping and visual. Like I mean, you you have a real a knack for making it like leap off the page and i want to start with Thank you oh you're welcome i mean i i truly <laughs> i mean i i think i read a galley a while ago and then i recently went back and just like read a few chapters to like get the sense of your writing again because that's what excites me so much about writers and um <laughs> and i and and before i get there i guess i do want to just start with like more of the genesis so you're in grad school you're outlining these characters who are also students however they're in 1970s yeah. pittsburgh so why 1970s Pittsburgh? Um, one of the reasons for that was uh, a major concern of the book is a Jewish American identity about a generation removed from the Holocaust. And so it's, there's this, um, the, there's this uncomfortable hangover from like the, the great mid-century trauma of Jewish identity. That is um, it affects both of the main characters in different ways. Um, and uh, like Paul, Paul's father was a refugee and that, that has a lot of, that has a major impact on his worldview um, and sort of his cynicism about human nature. And, and then Julian's family is trying to pass um, rather than acknowledge that they're Jewish. And so it's, it was something I wanted to explore the sort of uncomfortable um, in between moments in Jewish American identity. And so um so that was why why I chose the seventies. Also, I was I was really interested in um, because the the characters have all this cynicism about human nature, and and sort of the seventies are drifting out of the idealism of the sixties and sort of into this um, malaise. 
and and so I was I was interested in in exploiting that cynicism like it's it, it's the Watergate era and it's it's the time that um that the Tuskegee experiment came to light to the public and um and you know it, it's in the wake of all these political assassinations in the late 60s so it's it was it's just a really cynical and difficult time and it kind of reflected the character's like um, vehement lack of idealism and so so that that was why the time period and then as for Pittsburgh I for, for plot reasons I just I needed it to be um a city that had um a working class Jewish community and I was I was interested in how um that like this is the point in history where Pittsburgh was just starting to enter its its decline as the steel industry was collapsing at that point and so it um it was sort of a physical and aesthetic manifestation of that that kind of decay of idealism um and so it it just it all kind of fell together in in ways where i felt like the setting was just really important to the tone of the book and resonated with the the underlying themes mm-hmm. yeah and I, I i always am drawn to books that don't just set the stories in a time and place because it's hip or the aesthetic is kind of the vibe they're going for. And just hearing you talk about like the reasonings behind 1970s Pittsburgh is truly breathtaking. Like how much thought a writer can put into the setting. Um, Thank you. Yeah. And, 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 and that's what excites me. That's what really gets me going with, with talking to writers. It's just like hearing things, stories like that. Um, and you already mentioned why Julian and Paul were, why they had the backgrounds they had and the thoughts and and feelings they had. Um, talk more about just like the book and why you wanted Julian and Paul in 1970s Pittsburgh. Like I know why the setting was there and, and you laid it down, but why was this the story that you wanted to tell? Um, a lot of it, um, like it is historical fiction. I tend to write historical fiction because it's it's always a reflection on the present. You're always sort of processing something about about the present. And I think what what I was sort of processing with the historical setting in particular was um, was this. Uh, I, I I was a teenager in like the late '90s, early 2000s, and so that had its its own kind of cynicism, both in in the wake of um, of the Cold War coming to kind of a weird, ambiguous end um, that sort of left American identity in the lurch. And then this, um, this it, it was a really eventful few years and it was very dispiriting in many ways, like like uh, a formative experience of, of my mid-teens with Columbine. And, and it, it just, I kind of, what, what resonated with me was this kind of um, this cynicism and and lack of faith in humanity that was spawned by like senseless violence um, in in the greater world. And so that was that was one thing that resonated for me. Um, and honestly, a lot of the story is drawn from um, kind of 
internal experiences I had because of the the historical moment I grew up in. Like that was, I talk a bit about this in the in the book's author's note that it at the time that I was a teenager, there there was a lot of cultural narrative around like if if you're angry or bullied or alienated as a teenager, you are potentially evil basically and so I was at the time I I found this like really disturbing because I I was a very alienated and sad kid and I I couldn't I I was afraid of what my anger was capable of and and it um you know I it it, in retrospect was not capable of much but I had I had these visions of of ending up in in situations where I might you know spiral into moral turpitude <laughs> and, it's just, and so I so TVD is sort of um it it builds on these fears I had about my own anger as a teenager and it, it sort of it takes the specifics of the anger I had at the outside world and at like injustice and um kind of pushes them to an extreme where it actually does lead to terrible things happening and um that like uh yeah with with especially Paul's Paul's specific anger I wanted it to be something that a lot of readers you know would understand where he was coming from and even agree with some of his thoughts um and then and then just kind of take that and ramp it up to an intensity that spirals out of control so it was um yeah it was sort of an exorcism of my my fears of who I might become and and yeah just kind of as you grew with the yeah as you grew with the novel you know over 10 9 years (laughs) did your perceptive perception of yourself and, and that potential violence and that anger morph into anything did it change and then did you see like paul and julian differently um i luckily i had i i was no longer too too much of a teenager i was i was in my early 20s when i started designing the characters and i think i i I knew at that point that i was i was more in control of of my feelings than these characters were going to be but um as i as i got deeper into the book like um and as I got older and, and kind of they became younger to me, I I realized that a lot of what I was doing was kind of developing compassion both for the teenager I was and for the the, the you know, monster I was worried I would become. That it was this uh yeah, I have realized over time, both with this project and with the things I'm working on now, that a lot of the characters I write are externalizations of either past or present fears that I've had about myself um, and things I don't like about myself. And then I, I make, make it into a person who, in order to sustain interest for hundreds of pages, I have to love them. And so I, when I first started writing, like, I, I didn't really know what I was doing. I thought it was going to be like, you know, a, a straight up noir crime novel kind of thing. And, and it just, over time, I, 
they, they became full people to me in, in a way where I did love them and I empathize deeply with them, even though they do these terrible things. And so it became a much more, much more of a character study um, that happens to have murder in it. Um, and I was just, I was more interested in the emotional dynamic than uh, the crime itself necessarily. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in in that. So this book, it was a long gestational period, um, and you, you may have started with a straight-up noir that had a crime with characters in it, but now it's, like you said, a very character-driven book that happens to have noir murder elements in it. Um, were yeah. those... I mean, how far along were you when you realized there was a shift in what the book was becoming? Uh, it, I, I observed the shift uh, kind of, I, I was in grad school actually from 2011 to 2013. So, so while I was writing these vignettes with the, the really skeletal versions of the characters, and it was at, at the same time as I was starting to understand how I would actually have to structure it to make it become a book, I was also realizing that what I was actually interested in was this emotional arc between them and sort of creating empathy for these, these characters who, you know, you know, might be quote unquote unsympathetic um, based on their actions. So it, it evolved over time um, kind of as, as I was learning how long form writing works and what I needed to prioritize to hold my own interest. Yeah. And, and, and so you really, I was just thinking about like you writing your thesis along with like the early vignettes mm -hmm. of this. Um, do you think that that thesis helped? Let me, let me just restructure that question. I'm going to edit that out. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in like the duality of, creativity and the academic world or other writing and we touched upon it earlier in your mind are you able to go free flow between or were you able to go free flow between a thesis and a long academic paper and writing creatively create creative vignettes um it they, they definitely inform each other and i i know that my my study of art history has had a lot of impact on my writing style and the things i'm preoccupied by um the like i i am a very visual person which is part of what drew me to art history and so i in in paying attention to sort of the blocking of scenes and and little little visual details it's it's very much influenced by by how I was trained to closely read visual images and to closely observe for, for details that that helped tell a story. Uh, so, so that was definitely a major influence. Um, and and um, a lot of the philosophy and ethics themes in TVD kind of came from the, the theory training that I had in, um, in uh, like... Uh, like Nietzschean, Nietzschean philosophy and psychoanalysis and some other schools of, of philosophy and theory. So it, it definitely had a major influence. Um, I, they're very different kinds of writing in terms of the kinds of research that you're doing and, and the tone that you're striking. But I, I did find that they fed off each other despite that, that difference um, that, I 
writing creatively made me a little more willing to um, to use pretty language in academic writing um, in, a, in a way that that you sort of are not, are not necessarily encouraged to do because it's not a priority, but but um, that I, I could use it to enhance meaning if, if I made descriptions vivid in a in a way that isn't necessarily standard for academic writing. Um, and then and then definitely learning how to structure the thesis helped me structure the book. I, I have no idea how how long it would have taken me to figure out how to write a book if I hadn't written the thesis. It would have been a long time. Mm-hmm. A little earlier, you mentioned how like the, the projects you are working on now or beginning to work on are still influenced by fears of, of things. Um, without talking about like what you're working on, I guess, what is influencing what you're working on after these violent delights? Uh, one, one of the projects I'm working on, um, it kind of stemmed from, I, I had this, this fun, like nervous breakdown in mid 2016 when, um, the, the shape of the current zeitgeist was beginning to become clear. And I, I felt like, I was kind of in the minority of people who who realized like exactly how dire the situation was. Like I, I my my master's thesis was on um, gender anxiety and social turmoil in the Weimar Republic. So I was just kind of sitting there like internally screaming for months on end. Um, and so I, what kind of stemmed from that um, it is a sense of. Um, there never being complete physical safety and sort of a distrust of aspects of American society and just like political paranoia in general. And so, so, and, and I got very close to having like just a full blown nervous breakdown. It was not a good time. And so I, one of the things I'm exploring in an upcoming project is sort of this, this fear I had, this fear I kind of developed of, of becoming so, so afraid of the outside world that I almost disconnected from reality. Um, and so, so I'm, I am, I'm exploring like mental illness a lot in, in upcoming projects. Um, it's, it's a lot more like, I, I think I've exercised my demons about adolescent anger and now I'm moving on to fear. Um, lots of cheerful things on the docket. So, and yeah. And- you also mentioned how you, you do normally write historical fiction or fiction set yeah. in, in historical times. Are you continuing that trend with these explorations of what you're currently doing? Definitely. Like uh, the the current zeitgeist has really influenced um, the, the, the project I alluded to earlier, which is it's set in the 80s. And uh, one of the characters is really deeply affected both by... Um, both by the Reagan administration and by the AIDS crisis. Um, so, so that got more timely this year in a way I was really hoping it wouldn't. Um, but it, it, um, so I, when I write historical fiction, it's always, it's always a way of processing something about the present that I don't have the perspective to understand when I deal with the present directly. So it's, I do need I do need um, retrospect in order to kind of work out for myself the significance of a time period and sort of explore how that that time period and its significance um, interface with how I feel about the time I live in. So, so yeah, that that's going to be set 
sort of in the 80s, early 90s. And then another project I'm working on is set right at the beginning of the first Great Recession um, and sort of in the depths of the the Bush years when it was a very difficult time to be a queer teenager for many reasons. So it, I've got I've got a few projects buying for my attention right now, and they're all set in the past. And I, I think that's just going to be how I how I proceed for the foreseeable future. No, I love to hear that. And those are two two eras that I'm very interested in. Um, just when I'm reading like nonfiction or seeking out you know fiction that touches on those time periods. Um, like you, you mentioned Columbine earlier and I was a little younger than you were, but I would like, so Columbine then like nine 11 happened obviously within two years of each other. And I was in junior high yeah. and, um, yeah. you know, going through puberty and dealing with hormones and like that time period specifically is like a folk, a big focus on, you know, like the, the, um, of my, of myself and, Absolutely. And the Bush administration. Yeah, everything. So that, that really excites me. Obviously, you know, not like a happy way, but just like a way that can help me process things as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then on your website, you also, switching gears completely from 9-11 and Columbine, um, you <laughs> you bake and cook, and do you like to do that? Um, do you, and I, and I love talking to writers about cooking, um, what are some things that you just love about cooking and what do you love to cook and bake? Um, I, I definitely have nesting urges. I really like um, kind of feeling like I am showing care for loved ones by feeding them uh, just because, it, I, I don't know, I, I can be kind of a mother hen, honestly. I I really like um, I really like comforting kinds of foods like stews and roasts. Um, those are my favorite things to cook when I'm when I'm doing savory dishes. And I'm I uh, be, being a millennial under quarantine, have gotten really into bread this year, and that and that's really satisfying on like a primal level because it you're, you're participating in like thousands of years of of human history because humans have been doing this basically as long as our agriculture has existed. So, so you just kind of it's just really viscerally satisfying to make bread. And so it, yeah, it, it just, it feels very human and, and like you are making your world a little safer and a little more loving. And it's, yeah, it's, it's my love language. <laughs> so tell, I know like you obviously love art, you love writing, you love history. What are things that are like, exciting you right now that you're maybe reading, watching, listening to, exploring? Oh gosh. I've I've been do, I've been doing a lot of really good reading this year. Um the last few years actually. And and um that I've I've been reading a lot of debuts this year, which is just wonderful. I love debut novels because um because you see into somebody's head um, at the moment where, where they have no idea whether this is ever going to end up in the world. Like they're doing it purely for them. They're getting it all out. Um, kind of writing from the id in a way that more established writers don't always do. And so I, I, I just, I, I love reading debuts and it's been, it's been really nice this year. Um, uh, yeah. A book I read recently that it really resonated with a lot of the, um, a lot of the teenage obsession themes that 
I was interested in was TBD, um, but also also just very much did its own thing in a way I really admired was uh, Emily Temple's The Lightness. I am making everyone I know read it. I absolutely adore it. Um, and so it's, it's, it's interesting how it approaches um, sort of uh, teenage philosophizing and homosocial uh, interpersonal obsession in, in ways that are very much its own. Um, because yeah, it, th- there's, there's a lot of literature that explores these things. And I, I just, I really liked, it's got a very unique angle that I really enjoyed reading. And it's, it's so, yeah, it's so well-written. Thank you so much to Micah for coming on the podcast today. You can find him at his website, MicahNemerEver.com. He is on Instagram at MicahNem, that's Micah, N-E-M. And then he is on Twitter at NemerEvermore. Um, which is probably one of the best Twitter accounts names I have heard in a very long time. I absolutely love it. A very special thank you to my friend Raquel, who is letting me use music from her brand new music project, Rocky Colin. As always, you can find me at daybeautiful.net. All of the social media is at daybeautiful. Please subscribe to the podcast and keep checking out the website for more interviews and book recommendations. I hope everyone's staying safe out there. Until next time, I'm Adam. This is Day Beautiful, and you're all beautiful.